Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Andrew Phelps, principal at User10. And if you want to learn how to build professional connections, you should be listening to Build Your Own Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I'm your host, Travis Chapel. Today, I'm chatting with Andrew Phelps. Andrew was named one of the Arizona Republic's 35 entrepreneurs under 30. He is a seed spot mentor and content matter expert of the year. Andrew has spoken about strategy, design, and entrepreneurship at ASU, GCU, AZ Tech Council, and the Clean Tech Open. Andrew has conceptualized new products for some of the largest software companies in the world and bootstrapped SaaS company MVPs. Uh, guys, I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation that I have with Andrew. But first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know that a podcast can be beneficial for you and for your business, um, whether it's credibility authority it brings to you, you know, the, the speaking gigs or the, the publishing deals that it can bring to the table, or maybe just driving more revenue or building better trust with your customers or client base, whatever it may be, you know that you, have, you need a show, but you just, you just don't have the time or the resources or the team to figure out all the tech background and all the, all the back and the things that go into creating a show, well then go ahead and have my team build it for you so that you can focus on the content and then you can focus on what you're good at, which is selling and servicing your clients. Um, so let us focus on what we're good at, which is building that podcast for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. 
travisapple.com slash make my podcast quick application there we'll chat on the phone and see if you'd be a good fit to uh to have us build out your show for you andrew what is up thank you so much for joining me on the show today brother thanks for having me i'm really looking forward to the conversation Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and take it back here, build some context. Um, talk to me about uh, junior high Andrew, man, like 12, 13 years old. What were you up to back then? Likes, dislikes, family life? Man, that's a great question. So, absolutely great family, very supportive. Uh, you know, 12 and 13 year old Andrew was uh, quite an awkward fella. I really didn't uh, have great self-confidence or um, any real self-confidence or, or good self-esteem for the majority of my adolescent and, and teenage life. So, you know, it was a, a mixture of being the real me and being uh, many different versions of myself, but otherwise I had a great childhood, spent a ton of my time doing creative stuff, Legos, drawing, painting, that sort of thing when I was younger. Um, and I was very slow to move into the next phase of life, um, kind of at every point. So when I was 12, 13, I was really lamenting the loss of being uh, <laughs> 10 and 11 and, and uh, the same thing kind of repeated as I got older. But mm. um, yeah, I guess that's a snapshot of, of of Andrew at 12. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that you kept holding on to uh, the, the past rather than embracing the next phase of life? Um, I'm really not sure about, about that at a young, you know, in, in, um, as an adult, I've gotten some insight that I'm just a very emotional person. I feel things very deeply. And it wasn't until, um, you know, the last couple of years of my life that I really learned how to feel and, and deal with all my emotions in, in a healthy way. So I think a lot of um, just not flowing with life. Gotcha. So in, in high school, what were you, what were you looking to do with the rest of your life at that point? I find it super interesting because I know most career counselors don't talk to you about the things that you've been able to do in your career up to this point. So, uh, talk to me about that decision-making process for you. Yeah, absolutely. So in high school, one of the big things that I really enjoyed was my job. I, uh, worked as a lifeguard and then a a uh, swimming instructor and then a, a manager at the local pool and uh, somewhere that I started to come into my own and I really enjoyed uh, having the responsibility and working with the team and uh, and one time there was actually a really bad car accident outside of the pool and I took my team up the hill of the park and did first aid on, on some folks that really needed it. And we found out, you know, a day later that uh, we were instrumental in, in saving this guy's life. And so it was a pretty formative and ex experienced. And um, I really didn't think about my future. I was having a good time uh, managing the pool. Um, but my parents really wanted me to go to college. So mm -hmm. I went to uh, U of A down in Tucson. Arizona and uh, just because that's where my friends were going. Um, so in high school, I wasn't thinking a lot about a career. I really liked having that tight knit team at the pool and I really liked being able to perform under pressure. And so uh, I was considering uh, joining the military because it seemed like it would be a good option that would have a lot of the structure and maybe provide some of those more extreme situations. But ultimately I was uh, scared of the risk that it posed both physically and mentally. Uh, just uh, just had to uh, attend college instead, and that's where I got interested in design as a career, and under started to understand that, you know, my creativity and all the things I did for fun could actually uh, be a great career and serve me for a lifetime. And is that what you ended up going to school for? I ended up going to school for graphic design. Uh, the program's okay. called Visual, Visual Communication. Got it. Got it. And what, around what time period was this when you were going through school for graphic design? Um, that was 2007, 2011. Okay. 
Got it. Got it. So I'm curious on what your advice would be for somebody that was in a similar position to, to where you were in at the time. Um, did, do you view, do you view the time that you spent in college as uh, mostly good or mostly a waste or neutral? Like where, where would you land on that spectrum and what would be your advice for, for a kid that's coming out of high school right now? I think that's a great question. There's a lot of different facets. So uh, the first thing I should mention is that my parents always had the intention of paying for my school. So financial, I had to pay for any of it. I paid for things I did for fun and, uh, you know, my recreation. But as far as expenses, everything was covered. So that's what the one giant caveat that goes with this advice. Sure. Uh, I, I think um, if I were to pay, had to pay for it, um, I would be thinking very differently about the benefits I got from uh, my college experience. Ultimately, it was a great time for personal development and, and coming into my own. And I think academically, it's like anything else in life. You get out what you put in. Um, the classes that I poured myself into and challenged myself, I learned a ton and I wouldn't, you know, those experiences or anything. Um, the other classes that I wasn't so interested in are basically a waste of time, just like anything mm -hmm. that you half-ass in life. Sure. Sure. Okay. So coming out of college then, what was the next step for you? So wrapping up my college career, I worked on um, a system of science uh, at, at U of A. Uh, it's called wayfinding design. So it's a small niche of graphic design where you design signs and systems of science to help people get around public places. And it mm -hmm. fascinated me because uh, they do it well, nobody notices because everyone gets to go where, gets to go where they want to. So yeah, right. I was very interested in that and had sort of a job lined up for that. Uh, it ultimately fell through and it, I took it as a sign that I should really do my own thing. So I started a, a freelance design business and moved back in with my parents and, uh, you know, just gave it my best shot. See if I saw if I could, uh, you know, just, uh, pay some low rent buy on my own as uh, a freelance designer. And how did that go? Well, there were plenty of ups and downs, but ultimately uh, it worked out. So I think after about 10 months, I moved out into a shared apartment and, uh, you know, slowly grew my, grew my business doing uh, basically anything I could get my hands on. Uh, I started doing UX design and digital design because uh, there seemed to be a larger demand for it and uh, it was paying better at the time. Um, this was kind of right when uh, even the idea of UX design as a career or an individual position was coming out of those industry leaders and yeah, starting right. to hit the main market. Um, now you can go on LinkedIn without finding a UX designer, but back then it was a rare thing. Uh, pretty hard to explain to people what you did, but right, right. I had one really great client that kind of solidified my path and uh, he, he owned a delivery business and he had a website uh, where people signed up, selected all the ingredients they could eat, couldn't eat what they wanted and paid with their credit card and he would deliver them healthy meals. And uh, he really needed a lot of help. And um, one of my current business partners, Josh Mountain and I poured ourselves into that project and kind of analyzed every step of his customer touch points online and offline and retooled everything. And he relaunched uh, his website and it went, business went from the side to his main gig. In the first month, he tripled the number of his customers by the end of the year, um, quit his, his main job and that business grew by 540% that year. And it was all because of UX and branding tweaks 
Um, and I became fascinated with this idea of like, wow, if you just analyze things and try to improve them and, and test and, you know, you can make huge differences in businesses and, and in his case, someone's life. So I got really hooked on how design and technology could really transform things. And here I am years later doing the same thing. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Sure. And you you mentioned a, your business partner and how you guys work together on that. Can you talk about how you initially formed that relationship and why you decided to go into business with somebody? Josh is one of my best friends from childhood. So we knew each other for a long time. He was doing freelance uh, work at the same time I was. And so it was a decision to each other out with some projects, but, uh, you know, through running and growing businesses together, you know, our relationship has, has become wonderful, both on the business side and on the personal side, but, um, it, it isn't always an easy journey to get there. And I'm really proud of uh, how we've worked together. Um, not just Josh and I, but our other partner, Brad, um, on those business relations, because it's difficult to work with partners of any kind. It's difficult to work yeah. with friends, but put it in the work and invest in the relationships and build the trust and communication. I don't think there's anything better than having some great partners. Yeah. I've always, always heard that on, you know, there's so many nuances there and there's so many negative stories that I've heard from, from failed partnerships and, and business partnerships with friends that went, you know, just really, really poorly and, and didn't just ruin the business relationship, but also the, you know, friendship. What would you say are a couple of the top things that you guys have done proactively to prevent those types of things from happening in your partnership and to see a fruitful relationship come out of it while you're still building a good friendship? That's a great question. I mean, I think it under the fundamental of any relationships, which are being honest, being open, communicating in an effective way, 
think with the business side, especially a fast growth or a business that has tons of different opportunity, it's really important to check in on alignment, you know, almost daily. If you're the entrepreneurial type, you get new ideas, you want to and do new things, you get inspired by different things, you know that this client needs this and maybe if we do that, this will happen and well, you start going down these paths in your head and when you have multiple partners, everybody's doing that. So that you're uh, checking in with each other and kind of an, al uh, an alignment and a united front, um, you know, very consistent. That was some of the biggest challenges we were on was just failing to communicate that uh, soon as we got the conversation, you know, where it was like, oh, we are aligned and everything's okay. But I think it's those fundamental being honest with yourself, being honest with each other and communicating effectively and putting aside time to do it. I mean, I think the reality is that yeah. good communication takes time and it takes hours a week to effectively communicate your ideas if you're talking about strategy or business direction. And it's important that you get through all both mystical and emotional uh, so everybody knows where everyone's staying. Yeah, right, right. So, so tell me, um, tell me then what you guys are working on now. What your main business is and how you help and serve the the clients that you work with. We're a UX design studio, and we focus exclusively on UX design and UI design, uh, mostly for SaaS. So. Okay. UX design is user experience design, um, anything that you see or interact with on a screen, uh, and UI design is user interface design, so that uh, the different ways these look and feel uh, in addition to how they work. So, um, yeah, do you, do you need any more background on that? We really focus on uh, SaaS companies, but I've also worked with enterprises, startups, uh, anything you interact with to make sure that it's as easy and delightful to use as possible. Yeah, sure. So, so give me, give me top two or three lessons that you've learned uh, in the last maybe, you know, five, 10 years on uh, not necessarily the design itself or the craft itself, but on overarching principles of how to, of how to make this particular type of organization work and function for all the partners and for your customers and clients. I would say the most important thing is to focus on the work quality of the work and having it uh, alignment with your team about creating the best possible things. Everyone on our team is interested in making things uh, the best they can possibly be. And I think that's where it starts because that commitment, that commitment and that passion is, is where the best stuff comes from. Design is an intensive process. It's a collaborative process. Um, it's a sometimes long and exhausting process. And without that foundational, um, that foundational personality, the person that wants to make things as good as they can possibly be and loves the act of taking an idea out of the ether and making it real. Hmm. Without that, you're just never going to reach the top tier of the best stuff. And if you don't have the best stuff, you don't get the best clients. And without the best clients, it's not worth doing. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Um, so you guys are obviously really good at what you do. You're masters at your craft and, um, and your industry leaders in that regard. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. This is a question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Um, and it kind of helps me, you know, move the conversation to a little bit more of the relationship building and networking part of it. Um, so I'm, like I said, curious to hear what, what you would say about this. Do you believe, Andrew, that who you know or what you know is more important and why? I would have to say a combination. Without our expertise, then we wouldn't be able to do what we do. But I understand what you're saying. And I think 
your relationships are ultimately the most important things in your life, in, in your business or your personal life. Um, and uh, yeah, relationships are, are hugely important. And all, you know, all of our, our business has grown organically over time just through relationships and doing our best for the people who hire us. And, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it without keeping everybody uh, not just happy, but really happy. Yeah. Right. So what about, what about, let me kind of phrase it this way. If you were to say that one of those things fueled the other one more for you specifically, and the answer is different for a lot of people, but for you specifically, would you say that your, your who has fueled your what more or your what has fueled your who more? Does that make sense? Does that answer? Does that question make sense? Trying to formulate, uh, formulate an answer. I think you'd have to start with the, you'd have to start with the who because working on a project, whether it's design, develop, um, anything, you have to be start from a relationship, uh, a foundation of trust, a foundation of respect, yeah. um, and an understanding of who who has what role, uh, so that you can rely on one another's expertise to get things done. So I think uh, we've been spoiling great clients a long time. Easy for me to think more about the what, because that's where I spend all my time. But sure. the reality is, without people who trust that. Tr- trust to have anything. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without the people, without that trust, you don't have any of the stuff that, that you can, you know, that you've been focusing on building and perfecting, right? Like you, you're just a designer sitting in a chair with nothing to do, but talk to yourself and design things, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so I'm curious to hear what you think would be the top like connection maybe tips or tactics that you've used in your career to not, not just form partnerships. And cause clearly you, you have that figured out, which is a huge, um, a huge win, uh, but more in terms of like clients and business development and getting people outside of your company to buy into your vision, uh, which ultimately allows them to become customers and clients. What, what would be your top two or three tips for connecting with those types of people? Absolutely. So I think I'd start by saying that I'm pretty introverted or at least a combo of introverted and extroverted. And early in my career, I had a, I had a really hard time networking. It was something that I dreaded doing. And one of the things that I learned back then was I didn't have to network and meet a thousand people. Um, I just had to network effectively with all the people who love networking and meeting a thousand people. And so I tried to target the people in my community who were connected and plugged in and build relationships with them and stay on their radar and do them favors, free work, and, you know, hope that planting those seeds would would spread. And it it worked better with some folks than others. So I think a big part of that strategy is understanding, okay, I'm willing to some of my time, some of my expertise, or whatever people need up to this point. And I can experiment with 10 different people. And if one or two of them, you know, I start to build a quality relationship with where there's mutual respect and understanding and benefit, then you can start to focus all your effort on those key relationships. Um, But knowing what effort to put in, understanding what you're getting back and understanding that it's not just about a cold calculation of investment, but an understanding of what you enjoy, who gives you energy, yeah, uh, how right. can you benefit from all these things, you know, emotionally and personally, as well as from 
uh, business perspective. Yeah, because ultimately you can't really measure the ROI. Like that, that that's the thing that makes it almost like this nebulous concept, right? Is that is that if it, I know that if I spend a certain amount of time prospecting and selling, that there's going to be an X amount of return for my time that I spend on those activities, right? With networking, it's so abstract because like you were just saying, you could give, 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 give to, you know, two or three different people. And you have to come in with the expectation that you're not going to get anything back. Because if you come in with the expectation that you're going to get something back, you're just going to be sorely disappointed because that's just not how, how things work. Right. Um, so you have to come in knowing that I could spend my time and, and, and give uh, my time and my resources and my knowledge to these individuals. And I could maybe never see anything back from these people. And you just have to kind of be okay with that being a potential outcome of that particular relationship. And just understand that the law of reciprocity reigns true in a much more like, you know, uh, conceptual way. Like it, it rings true in, in a much more all encompassing, like universal way. And it's not necessarily specific for each individual relationship and transaction that's made. Cause I think people have this misconstrued idea that if they do this for this person, they're going to receive, you know, this back. And when you start doing that, you're just going to have a lot of disappointment and you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot of irritation with relationships. And if you're the type of person that demands something back when you give something to somebody, then that person's not going to want to interact with you again in the future because they're going to know that any favor that comes from this person is going to come with this like social contract for me to give something back to that person when it's not necessarily something that I want to give back in that way, but they're going to have this certain demand because they gave me X. They're going to, they're going to expect Y. So I'm not going to, you know, give them anything anymore so that they don't expect anything of me. And so you're just going to start burning through relationships and you're going to be, your expectations are never going to be met. And then you're going to be, you know, irritating the people that you're helping because you're not truly helping them. You're only helping them because you think that they could help you. And it's just this total misconception of how the whole process works. But so many people go throughout, you know, their career doing that. And that's when I think you see a lot of people burn out because that game gets old really, really quickly. And so, you know, to your point, what you have to be willing to do is just go out there and build relationships and put goodwill into the universe for people and then trust that it's going to come back on you in a variety of different ways in the future. I would agree wholeheartedly. What I would add is, you know, we've had it come back years later, literally years later. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I've mentored a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs, you know, mostly from the perspective of branding and design and UX, but uh, with people who are starting it out, out the advice all goes into other things and, and overflows. And, you know, we, I've mentored someone, I think four or five years ago, and we just recently finished a job that was a referral from them. At the time, you know, there's, I had absolutely no expectation I'd get anything um, in terms of business development from that relationship. And then on top, didn't think that they had or would have any of the connections that would be valuable to me in the future, but everybody's growing, everybody's learning. And so mm -hmm. here we are years later and, and it, that really did pan out as an actual dollars back investment, which I never expected. Yep. Yep. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the exact attitude that you just got to have, you know, you just got to be willing to help people know that some people are takers and they're just going to take your time and you should guard your time against those people. Um, but uh, majority of the time you just got to, 
be willing to give and, you know, trust that it's going to come back on you in some, in some form. And, and, and in my experience, it, it always has it all. And it always will. And it might not come back from that exact person or that exact transaction or that exact, you know, opportunity or individual, but something will happen. That's going to be positive because you have open arms in terms of what you're willing to give to the community, to the world, to the, the people that are, that are coming up after you or whatever it may be. So yeah, totally, totally agree with you on that, man. Uh, before we get things wrapped up here, um, Andrew, is there is there anything that you want to make sure that the audience knows about you? I'll think about that for a sec, but I got one more tactic if you're interested. Please. So the other thing that's become or became extremely important to us for finding the right clients was keeping track of the attributes each client had. And after you've gone through a number of client relationships, you can say that was a good one. That one was okay. That one sucked. Right. And you start to do pattern matching and you understand that the folks who didn't work out all have a lot of things in common. So you keep a list of those things and you call them your red flags. And that could be for clients or for people you network with or whatever, but you can start to recognize a lot earlier. Oh, that person's a taker. I I don't get good vibes from them based on, criteria that I know in the past have not panned out. And that did wonders to help us upgrade our client list and understand, you know, really quickly, is this someone we want to be in business with? Is this a partnership that is is probably going to go well because we're committing for six months or a year? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Love that. So final piece of advice here, Andrew, what would be, what would be the last thing that you want people to know about you or hear from you? That's a great question. Um, I think the thing that I'm totally hooked on now is understanding what it takes for design to truly work. And it's a super deep collaboration between a number of people that hold a number of different levels of experts. And so I think uh, what I've discovered over the past year is that great design requires great leadership and uh, great alignment within a team. And so if you're designing something, if you're looking to uh, reinvent your product or your business or your brand, I would encourage you to think a lot about uh, understanding that the design is an iterative process and the power of design comes in the process, not the final product. And that communication, having the right people in the room uh, and having the right leadership is paramount. So I've been thinking a lot about what I call the design gap. And if you need any help navigating that stuff, then uh, I'm the one to talk to. We can help you fill that gap and make a great product. Love it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people connect with you, Andrew? Where, where are you the most active online? So th- that's the interesting thing for, for this podcast. I'm not that active online. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn and you can hit us up on our website, user10.com. I'm happy to get back to you, chat with you, but most of my connections are made in person or through my business partners and I'll be talking on, on Slack or email, but we can definitely get connected. Awesome. Awesome. So if you have any questions on UI, on UX, on software, on SaaS, on any of these things that we talked about, even business partnership and how to make that work effectively, be sure to reach out to Andrew. uh, Tell him thanks for coming on the show that you heard about him here on Build Your Network. Andrew, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Uh, I I had a fantastic time chatting with you and I know all the listeners got something from this. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group, dozens of video lessons on networking, monthly calls, there's accountability crews, and more, all for the low investment of just $99 a month. 
So head over to BYNInnerCircle.com to jump in. That's BYNInnerCircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. See you next time. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.